It's just like riding a bicycle. Do you remember, actually, when you learned how to ride a bicycle? To be honest, I don't really remember. I remember a little bit, but, but not much. What I do remember, though, is teaching my kids how to ride a bike. That was much more recent occurrence, right? In the last couple years, we've taught our oldest two, Michael and Henry, how to ride a bike. So let me tell you a little bit about that process to learn how to ride a bike. Um, well, it actually all started a couple years ago when they got their first bike, which they have these cool things now. Maybe you've seen them or heard of them. They're called a balance bike. And uh, they didn't have them when I was a kid, at least I wasn't aware of them. Uh, but it's a bike with no pedals. And so the, the kid sits on it and uses their feet to propel themselves. And the, the idea behind the balance bike is that they learn how to balance so that when they transition to a two-wheeler, they're used to it, right? So we were told, your kids will never need training wheels. They just go straight from that to a two-wheeler, and they know how to do it, and it's great, right? And so we were like, cool. So they learn how to do the balance bike, and it's cool watching kids, kids learn on these things because pretty soon they start pulling their feet up, and they're able to balance on this little bike, and, and it's neat to watch. Then the, the time came for them to learn how to ride a, a normal two-wheel bike, so how did we teach them how to ride that two-wheeler bike? Well, of course, we started out by buying a textbook on riding a bicycle. And I walked through, my young child, through that textbook of the history of bicycles and the mechanics and physics behind riding a bicycle. And, and then we looked up the best kind of bikes to buy. And then we watched YouTube videos on how to ride a bicycle. And then I sent him outside and said, go ride a bike. Right? That's what I, no, of course that's not what I did. Right? No, we had to do it with them. And so I took him out there. And, and I had this idea in my head, because of the balance bike, I'm like, this is going to be super easy. We'll go up and down the street a couple times, and they'll be riding a bike, no problem, right? And so how do you do it? This is where I remember a little bit of how I was taught how to ride a bike, right? You, you grab on to the seat or onto them, and you, you hold them, you kind of balance them, and you push them forward, and you run alongside them, and, and, they, keep, and they go, right? Uh, so... We went up and down the street a couple times, and I quickly learned that this was not going to be as easy as I thought. You see, the thing about the balance bike is they may learn, learn how to balance, but they don't learn how to pedal. And so they had no, my kids had no idea how to pedal, so they had to learn that. <clears throat> it took a little bit longer than I thought, and it took a little bit more patience than I thought. If you've ever done this before, it's actually really hard to run alongside a kid on a bike and try to teach them, right? Like you're having, you're like hunched over trying to run and you're, you keep like kicking the bicycle on accident and they turn in front of you and trip you. And I had to learn some patience. I got frustrated pretty, pretty early on, right? Like, come on, this isn't that hard, right? I can ride a bike, look at me. This should be easy for you. But it is hard and it takes some time, right? And so over the, over the course of some time, we, it, it took a little bit of time. We stopped, came back to it a couple weeks later. We tried a little bit more, but eventually, they got it. And I remember so clearly, especially Henry, our, our second born, um, because it was just this last year that he, that he figured it out, that he learned. And I remember so clearly running alongside him and then letting go. And this time I let go. Instead of him saying, no, Dad, hold on, hold on, he kept going. And he goes, and, he, and it clicked. All of a sudden, he realized, he goes, Dad, I'm doing it. I'm riding a bike. And he was so excited. And that, we just love to see those moments. How did I teach my kids how to ride a bike? Well, it took me running alongside them, right? Doing it with them, keeping them balanced as they learned the mechanics, as they learned how to do it before I was ready to send them off and they were able to do it on their own. 
That relates to what we're talking about today. Today we're going to be talking about discipleship. And discipleship, we're we're in the midst of a series right now called Essential Church. And what this series is about, it's not about why church is essential, but what is essential to have church, right? If if we have this thing called church, what what do we need to be doing? What are the essential things that we need to be doing as a church? And one of the most essential things that we need in the church today is discipleship. So as I talk about discipleship, I want to both talk about what do I mean when I say discipleship? And then I really want to dig in today on how do we actually do this. I want to give you a framework for discipleship from God's word about how, how to disciple um, people to grow in their spiritual maturity. So starting out, what is discipleship? What do I mean when I say that word? It's one of those words that Christians throw around a lot and we kind of all know what it means, but it's helpful to all be on the same page. So very simple, when I say discipleship, what I mean is making followers of Jesus, right? Making followers of Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, right, when he called them, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They were to follow him, to, to learn to do what he did, to do what he did in his life, to learn how to live like Jesus and, to the go, and go and spread that message to the rest of the world. And we're called to be followers of Jesus as well. And that process Whereas we make followers of Jesus is called discipleship or making disciples. So that's what I mean when I say discipleship. And a really important aspect to that is that it's a process. This is not just a a switch. It's not just an achievement or an award that you get at a certain point, right, because you've done enough things. It's a process that you're, you're in your whole life, right? And, and everybody's in a different place in the process, in a lot of ways. And and actually what we're really going to focus in on today is that process of discipleship. So now we get to the how. How do we disciple? And for that, I want to go to our our main passage today, which is 1 John chapter 2. It'll be up on the screen as well. This is an encouragement. This this section here is is actually a kind of a poetic encouragement that John is writing to these believers, encouraging them in their faith, where they're at in their faith. And so we'll see that come out as we read through this. Just these these three verses here. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. You see, we have a framework for the process of discipleship that John has just given us right here. And what is that framework? It's family. And actually, we see this several other places in God's word in the New Testament where we see the church compared to a family. A couple of these places, Ephesians 2.19, 1 Timothy 3.15, the household of God, the family of God. As a church, we are to be a family together. And so in the same way that a family raises up kids to be fully functioning adults, the church should raise up spiritual kids to be fully functioning spiritual adults. And that relates to what Pastor Bob was talking about last week, is the purpose of the church is to equip God's family for God's mission. We are the church here to equip God's people, the church, to do this mission of discipleship, to raise up, to build up followers of Jesus, walking them through this process of discipleship. 
So we see four categories here. It looks like it's just three that are repeated twice, right? Children's, young men, and fathers. But actually, that, that word for little children is different than the word for children. So you could actually break this up into four categories. The first would be babies or newborns, then children, then young adults and adults. Um, we see it there as young men or fathers, but you can, you can make that connection, young adults and adults. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get there. But first, what I want to do is actually walk through the, the normal human growth and development side of it. What does it mean just to be a physical, real baby, child, that sort of thing? And then we're going to look at the spiritual side and how it connects to our spiritual growth in, in discipleship. So let's start out with babies, just talking about real-life babies. As you think about babies, what's one word that you think just summarizes what it means to be a baby? How about selfish? You thought I was going to say cute, didn't you? No, selfish. I mean, we've had a few newborns in our house, and I mean, it's kind of true, right? It's all about them. Wham, 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 feed me, hold me, put me to sleep, right? Like, my kids never asked me how my day was, right? I, we never got up the next morning, and they're like, hey, Dad, how did you sleep last night? Not good, by the way, because you kept me up all night, right? Now, as I say that, nobody, we never say that about babies, right? We expect them to be selfish. They're helpless. They can't do anything on their own. They need help. They need people around them to, to help them just live the basic life of, of eating and sleeping and, and doing those things. And so it's, it's 100% input, no output for babies, right? They're not giving anything to the world except for maybe cuteness, but, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all input there. So that's, the, that's a baby. Then we move on to childhood. And, and what is something that really characterizes childhood? I would say that it's an intense time of learning, that is when people learn. You learn a ton as a child. And you learn in a couple different ways. As I was thinking about this, I thought, man, I didn't teach my kids how to walk or how to talk. Now, you might say that I'm a bad parent or something. But no, but I mean, what I mean is that I did not formally sit down with my kids and teach them that. I didn't sit down with my one-year-old and say, okay, let me teach you how to walk. Um, so you're going to bend your knee and lift up your leg and then move your foot forward and... Um, to be honest, I don't even know how to teach someone how to walk, right? It's, it's one of those like basic things that how do you explain to somebody, let alone a one-year-old, how to walk? We don't do it that way. How do you teach a one-year-old how to walk? Well, just walk around and show them, right? Hold, hold them up, hold their hands while they take their first steps. That's how they learn how to walk and, and even talk, right? I didn't give grammar lessons to my one-year-old, two-year-old, right? They, they heard us talk and they, they started to pick it up. And that's where they, how they learned how to talk. And actually, sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes I look at my kids, I'm like, how did you figure out how to talk? That's amazing. It is pretty cool. So there's some things that they learn by example, but then there's other things that you do need to sit down and actually teach them. How to read, how to write, those kinds of things, right? Sometimes they go to school or you teach them yourself, but they need more formal instruction on how to learn these things. Your, your kids aren't going to learn to read just by watching you. You need to actually walk them through it. And so they learn a couple different ways, but this time they're, they're learning a ton of information. Not, not just information, not just facts, not just schooling kind of things that we think of, but they're, they're learning to understand the world. They're understanding what's going on in the world around them. So that time of childhood is very important for, for learning, for growing up, for understanding what's going on in the world. So intense time of learning, that childhood. But then we get to young adults, and, and what do young adults do? Well, 
Young adults are still going to learn, but now they're actually starting to put it into practice. They're actually starting to live it out and to do it. This is the time where they start to gain some independence and responsibility. They need to take what they've learned about the world and they actually need to live it out uh, on their own to some extent. And uh, this is the time where they get a job, where they do those kinds of things on their own. As I think about this, this stage in human growth and development, I think about the, the bike ride, teaching a kid how to ride a bike. This is the time where you're running alongside them, just keeping them balanced, right? You're there to catch them if they fall. You're there, you're there helping them, pushing them along the way. But, but really, they're learning how to do it on their own. And then you become an adult, what does it mean to be a fully functioning adult? Well, I'm not going to spend too much time on that this morning, but just a brief overview, just some thoughts on being a fully functional adult is someone, because that's what we want to do, right? We want to raise kids to be functioning adults. Hopefully, if, you, if there's parents in here, that is one of your goals, is to raise function, adults that can function in society, right? So a functioning adult is someone who can get a job and provide for themselves, it's someone who can navigate um, functional relationships, right? Who can, who can have relationships with other people. It's someone who knows how to do the basic things of life. Drive a car, uh, go to the store, um, pay bills, those kinds of things, right? You know how to do some of those adult things. You're still going to learn and grow along, along the way, right? The 20-year-old, 20-year-old adult doesn't have it all figured out, right? I mean, I thought I did at 20, but pretty quickly realized I didn't. You're still going to learn and grow along the way, but you have the basic tools to get going. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? That's, that's, that's normal human growth and development. I'm not a psychologist, okay? I just, the, these are natural things that you see in terms of, of kids growing up into being adults. That's that side of it, but now we're going to look at the spiritual side of it. Okay? How do these connect? How do they come together? Well, as we walk through these four stages, we're going to use 1 John chapter 2 as kind of an outline to that. And so, if you look back at that, when we start with babies, what does he say about babies in verse 12? He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. That's one of the most basic, important things that a spiritual newborn needs to know. Actually, in order to be reborn, right, in order to have that new birth in Jesus, you need to understand your salvation in Jesus. That's that assurance of salvation, right? Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. There's kind of two steps. The first one is recognizing you are a sinner in need of a savior, and you believe that Jesus is that savior, and you have forgiveness of sins through him. And that spiritual newborn is going to need to be reminded of that. They're going to need that on a regular basis, right? We all know that you don't just hear that once and believe it for the rest of your life. You need to be reminded of it, and you need to come back to it. And that spiritual newborn needs that spiritual milk, that's going to be very important for them. And so that spiritual newborn is, is getting that assurance of salvation, the gospel, the message of Jesus on the cross. And, and it's a lot of input, not, as much out, not very much output, right? The spiritual newborn, they need, they need learning, they need truth, they need people pouring into their lives, and they're not going to start doing that quite yet. Then you move on to childhood. And what does spiritual childhood look like? Well, very similar to, to normal childhood. It's an intense time of learning. You're learning... Um, what, what this book is all about, right? What, what is the big picture story of the Bible? You're learning basic doctrine. You're learning a lot of these things of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And it's an intense time of learning these things. John relates it to, he says here um, at the end of verse 13, I write to you children because you know the Father. 
I want you to think about that because you know the Father. This, this is a time all about getting to know God, who God is and what he's done. And how do we know God? We know God through his word. This is an intense time of, of learning, of understanding who God is and what he's done. That's what spiritual childhood looks like. Now, a really important thing I want to mention here is that it's not that you move past these things. They, they, you bring them with you. The, the spiritual adult, is, it's not that you don't need to remember what Jesus has done on the cross. I need to remember my forgiveness of sins every day. So, so you bring that with you, but you're ready for the next thing. Okay? So now we move on to young adults. What does a spiritual young adult look like? Well, it's someone who's putting it into action. They are now starting to learn how to live out their faith. They've learned a lot, and now they need to take what they've learned and actually live it out on a regular, daily basis. As John talks about it here, he talks to young men twice, or young adults twice. He says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And then at the end, he says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. What does it look like for that young adult to be putting their faith into action They're growing in obedience to Jesus. That's what spiritual maturity looks like, is you're growing in obedience to Jesus. Now, it's really important here. We we are saved not by our works, right? But we're saved for works, right? Our works come from that salvation. We're saved, and now we become more and more like Jesus. And that's what that young adult is starting to step into. They become more and more like Jesus. The child has a hard time connecting Right? They learn obedience through behavior modification, right? And, and as much as you try to reach their heart, which is super important for kids, they don't really connect it until they start to get older and they start to make their faith their own. They start to ask that question, okay, if this is really what I believe, then what am I going to do? How am I going to live my life? And it's going to look like obedience to Jesus. It's going to look like overcoming the evil one because you're overcoming sin in your life. That's what the spiritual young adult looks like. And then we get to the adult. What does a spiritual adult look like? It's important that we recognize that it's not, it's not over here. It's not that you've made it. Just like the 20-year-old, you don't just stop. You may physically stop growing, right? But, but you should continue to learn and grow the rest of your life. Same with a spiritual adult is going to continue to learn and grow for the rest of their life. But what does it look like to be a spiritual adult? I wrote down a few things here that can help us think about that. It's someone who reads God's word daily and understands it. Not, not that you'll understand everything, but you, you, you get the gist of it, right? You can understand and read scripture on a regular basis. You know the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, and you can share it with other people. A spiritual adult is living out their faith in obedience to Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. Yeah, you're still going to sin. You're still going to mess up. But your, your response to that is repentance and forgiveness, right? You mess up and you go, I want to turn away from that and remember your forgiveness in Jesus. That's what that spiritual adult does. You're engaged in those spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, reading your Bible, prayer, fasting, those kinds of things. You have a basic understanding of God's word and you're living the life as a follower of Jesus, but you're still going to learn and grow along the way. Just like that that adult over here, you're, you've got the basic tools you need to keep going, okay? Now, we still need people in our lives after that. We still need people in our lives to help us along the way. And actually, there's a connection here. He says fathers, and I don't think that excludes mothers here, 
okay? Mothers are a part of this as well. But there is an aspect here of you really mature and learn and grow up as you help somebody else grow up. And that's true in spirituality as well. Some of you may not have that opportunity physically in life to raise up kids, but you do have the opportunity to raise up other followers of Jesus. And that's really where you're going to continue and grow in your own faith as a follower of Jesus. So we see this framework here. And I want to go to another passage here in 1 Timothy that helps us see it in another place just a little bit different. Timothy and Titus, these books, 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus are great books that talk a lot about discipleship. These were guys that were discipled by Paul, and Paul continues that by writing some letters to them. And, uh, and so, verses 11 through 15 and then 15 through 16, I want to read these now. Paul says to Timothy, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the Council of Elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let's pick out a couple of these things that we see here. What does he say? Command and teach these things. For the spiritual children, right? We need to command, we need to teach these things. This is that intense time of learning and growth. But we don't just teach through instruction and commands, right? We also teach through example. And that's what he encourages him to do as well. I love this. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Some of the best ways to teach someone is to show them how to do it, is to live that life, and they see it in you. Verse 15, he, he says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them. This is a practice, something that we need to do on a regular basis. Growing up in our own faith and raising others up in faith as well. As we talked about this today, I gave a framework for discipleship. This wasn't meant to be a how-to guide of steps one, two, three, that sort of thing, but more a big picture of what does discipleship look like in the church as we talk about family and the church is family, that we need to be raising people up through these, through these stages of spiritual maturity to be adults. And we're never done learning, but we do want to be spiritually functional adults, don't we? And to help us flesh that out a little bit more in a, in a more concrete example, this has been somewhat abstract. I want to give one concrete example of what, um, what your faith looks like in each of these areas in each of these stages in one area of your life. And that area I want to talk about is a personal devotion time, or sometimes we call it a quiet time, that, that daily time with Jesus in God's word, praying to God. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about with that, okay? So what, is it, what does that look like in each of these stages of spiritual growth, okay? Uh, I did not come up with this, by the way. This is out of a book that Bob and I have been going through together, Personal Disciple Making. And this is, this is the numbers and stuff that he gives in there. So for a baby, this would look like, uh, or a newborn, spiritual newborn, this would look like three to four times a week for eight to ten minutes a day. That's how much time they're spending in God's word praying. It's, it's somewhat inconsistent. It's not a ton, but they're starting to get into it. And then you have the spiritual child. The spiritual child is stepping into that more, learning a lot, and so they're spending most days they're going to do it. Maybe they miss a day every week or every two weeks, but they're doing it most days for 15 minutes a day. It's still not a long time, but they're getting into it 
they're getting into a more consistent pattern of it. Then for the spiritual young adult who's really putting their faith into action, they're doing it every day, right? They may miss every once in a while, once or twice a month, but they're, they're doing it every day for 30 minutes a day, spending a bigger chunk of time really growing, putting their faith into action. And then that spiritual adult, what does it look like for the mature spiritual adult in relation to their, their time with God, that devotion time? Well, we're going to change the metrics a little bit. What it looks like for them is this has become a main priority of their day. It's not about the time. It's not the spiritual mature adult spends three hours a day, right? It, it's about that this is a main priority of, of their day. That, that actually you, you can't even imagine not doing it. Of course, I, I must start my day this way. Why would I not want to? And, and we're, not, we're not perfect. That's not the point. But it's, that, it's a perspective shift, right? It's not just filling the boxes. It's that I want and I need this daily time with Jesus because it's life-giving. It's what helps me through the day. And, and that's just a guide, just something to think about. And it really leads us into, okay, what do we do with this? We've talked about this framework for discipleship as it relates to family. Um, but what are you supposed to leave today doing? I think there's two things, especially two questions you need to ask yourself today. The first one is, where am I in spiritual maturity? It's easy for adults to assume that they're spiritually mature adults. And this is between you and God, but honestly, ask yourself that. Where am I in spiritual maturity? Because we know that kids aren't going to grow up to be, to be mature adults without some help. And there's a good chance that we need some help, Right? If you're still in that spiritual childhood or spiritual young adult, you need people pouring into your life. You need people helping you, discipling you, walking through this with you, right? Running alongside the bike with you as you learn how to make this faith your own and live it out in day-to-day life as a follower of Jesus. And so that first question is, is for you. Where are you at in that process? And then the second question relates to if you are a spiritually mature adult, right? It's not over. You're still going to learn and grow, but especially you're going to learn and grow as you pour out into other people. So look around, and who can you start investing in? Who can you start discipling through these stages of spiritual growth as they grow up to be followers of Jesus? Who around you can you do that for? Now, I'll give you a hint. If there's any parents in here with kids still living at home, this is very simple for you. It's not easy, but it's simple. Your kids are your first priority, right? Too often, I think, we look and go, oh, I want to be impactful. I want to reach those other people that are outside my family. With, you know, Parents, your first priority is your kids, to raise them up as followers of Jesus. And this is one of the biggest things that's needed in the church right now, is parents raising followers of Jesus. And so, if you don't have kids at home, though, be looking around in this church and ask, who can I invest in? Who can I help take those next steps to spiritual maturity? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And that's the best story that has ever been told, right? But too often we think of it as just, a, okay, I'll believe that and then I'll live my life. But it's actually a life-changing thing for us. We believe in Jesus and then our life should never be the same. We should be transformed to be more and more like him. And, and we should want that in our lives. We should want that spiritual maturity, that spiritual growth to grow to be men and women that are mature in their faith, following Jesus and leading others 
in that same path. And I want to encourage all of you to do that for yourselves. Who around you can you raise up to be a follower, a passionate follower of Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you that you have given us life in Jesus because of his death on the cross for our sins. And God, I, I pray um, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, it's easy to forget about the Spirit's part in this. God, we are utterly, utterly helpless without you. God, and I pray that your, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit to help us to grow to, to greater faith, greater following of you, and that you would help us to reach out and help others do the same, Lord. God, this is the, the mission you've given us. God, this is the task you've given us, is to tell people about the great work that you've done in the world through Jesus, and that we would all become more and more like him, the true human, what humanity was meant to be. God, help us to do that. Help everyone in here to follow you more and more. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.